All right, Joel. So great. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully we don't have any more technical difficulties. I know you're trying to find a good signal there and uh, hopefully we keep a good signal with you. Um, but let's get started here today. Uh, Joel and I wanted to do this presentation because Joel's been in the business for 30 years. I've been in the business about 12 years or so, done about 300 transactions myself. Joel's, of course, done many, many transactions. Now, I'm on the investment end of the business. I've also fixed and flipped about 50 houses, done about 100 wholesales, but I focus on real estate syndication these days. And that means I pool capital together and I help people invest in New Jersey apartment buildings. We have an in-house uh, property management company. And a lot of the people on the webinar today, I see are people from our group. Maybe you're part of our real estate networking group of over 4,500 members. We have an event coming up February 21st in Somerset. And of course we do our weekly webinars here as well. By the way, next week we have uh, Victor Liu with a uh, clear sky title coming on. Very excited about that. But let's focus on what we're uh, talking about today with Joel on here. We finally have a good internet connection. It looks like with Joel and we have his smiling face. And uh, we just know, Joel, from all the hair on your head, that you have lots of years of experience in this business. Is that right? So I started out in 1996, and it's been a hell of a journey, yes. A lot of great, great opportunities. We've met an amazing amount of people along the road. We, like many, got crushed in 08 through 10 mm -hmm. and have battled back. You know, It was uh, a, a difficult journey, but obviously well worth it. And I feel like we're in a much better place, you know, myself personally, just from the experience alone. All right. So, yeah, well, I think you cut off at uh, 30 years in the industry. Uh, 1996, I was uh, doing the math. Um, I was nine. I was nine then. So uh, you were you were starting to buy real estate, which is just incredible how time flies. I mean, yeah, to go back to that size, a little little boy, you know, and, uh, incredible. But how has the market changed since, you know, the late 90s to uh, what we're seeing today? Well, for a period of time, the competition was so minimal. You know, there wasn't HDTV yet. There wasn't go to a sheriff's sale and have 150 people. You know, when I first started, I'd go to a sheriff's sale. It was myself, you, your partner, Seth, and maybe two other people. And we could sort of divide and conquer together. It was yeah, right. very different. You know, uh -huh. nowadays it's so competitive. It's almost ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And now more than ever, you know, learning and preparing so that you minimize your mistakes, the obvious ones, especially, you know, I remember, you know, when you were nine, <laughs> it's funny, but <laughs> all kidding aside, a, a tenant called me one night, they were freezing. There was a furnace problem and I didn't know what to do. So I ran to Home Depot and I bought a furnace. They told me that XYZ was the best, so I bought the best. And then I got it installed, and $8,000 later, I fixed their problem. Mm. I didn't know what to do. I, there was no place to learn from it. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of stuck, and I knew I just needed to fix the problem. That was my total focus. You know, years later, I'm still standing here, thank God, to be able to talk about that. But none of us would spend $8,000 on a single furnace, and I just didn't know any better. There was nobody to help me. Mm -hmm. But I think the mentorship programs, you know, finding good ones, mm -hmm. finding good groups like yourself, you know, you're having a meetup on the 21st of February, going to events like that and finding like-minded people to mm -hmm. learn from, share with, and grow with it is phenomenal. It's mm -hmm. incredible to be able to help people along their journeys. And that has changed dramatically. Now, mm -hmm. also, the prices are obviously very different. I remember for, you know, speaking of New Jersey in particular, 
was almost insulting when someone offered me a three family in Newark for over a hundred thousand dollars. Wait a minute, <laughs> hundred thousand? Like, no, we're not spending on it. You're out of your mind. We'll bid you eighty five. Oh, so obviously yeah. that's changed dramatically. Yeah, um, you know the Patterson markets too that you guys have had tremendous success in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a whole different world, and you see that. You know, one of the themes though that we can pull away from Newark and Patterson, and also take a look at that around the country too. When you have these inner cities and they already have mass transit, nobody can really afford as a city to build new mass transit, but they can continually update their budgets to improve. And as you start to see that, you know that the trends are going to be changing there. And that gives you an opportunity to keep growing your business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's crucial as a simple way to look at things and keep figuring out where to go next. Yeah. I think that's an important aspect as you're looking at a more macro level for indicators. At People's Capital Group, we help you invest in real estate. Build your wealth by owning professionally managed apartment buildings in the northern New Jersey market. We want to show you how owning real estate is attainable, even for the busy professionals that don't have the time or experience investing in real estate. Now, we only work with select people who are serious about building wealth. So find out if you qualify at peoplescapitalgroup.com. Yeah, absolutely. Infrastructure in a city. You know, we look at cities and and, uh, we were like, wow, you know, so in 20, around like 2019, 2018, we were seeing what was happening in Newark, New Jersey. And I remember when we first started investing in Newark in like 2011, 2012, people were like, why would you ever invest in Newark? You're going to lose all your money, bro. Uh, you know, you're an idiot. Newark's a terrible market investment. I was like, no, you know, this downtown area, they've really cleaned it up and it's really nice, you know, and actually you can start to go out to dinner there and feel comfortable after dark. And, you know, there is a, there's a sports stadium, you go catch a devil's game, you know, started to really have that infrastructure. And I was like, wait a minute, this also has a train station that allows you to get into Manhattan in about 30 minutes. You know what else has that? Hoboken, you know, like look at Hoboken, New Jersey, right? That gets seen to man is why is Hoboken at where it is and Jersey City doing what it's doing? But Newark is this like sour, you know, uh, you know, ugly cousin that no one wants to touch. Like I saw so much value in Newark um, and bought a ton of real estate back in, you know, 2011, 2012, 13. I just wish I bought more. I really didn't have the resources to buy <laughs> yes. all that much just yet, right? I had to kind of learn the business, raise capital and so on. Um, but man, those deals are just worth so much more now. And then we saw the same thing happening in Patterson. We said, wait a minute, train station allows you to commute into Manhattan in, you know, uh, 40 minutes uh, or less, depending on the, you know, if you get the uh, express or so. And, uh, you know, but it definitely has high crime. It has gang problems, you know, poor schools, but so does Newark. And Newark still has poor schools. Newark still has issues with crime, but there's sections in Newark that I would run down today and put the deposit down on. And there's other sections I wouldn't, you know, but um, so you got to know your, your city well, but it's it's incredible. You know, these inner city markets in New Jersey, you know, you see the infrastructure in place and you think, well, what's the big difference between Hoboken and, and Newark? They both have train stations. They both rely for an easy commute to Manhattan. You know, Hoboken schools aren't all that good either. Uh, you know, so at the end of the day, it's you, we really saw that happening, and I I knew it was going to happen. I, I I saw the improvements in the cities, the property values growing. There was always naysayers. There's still naysayers. You know, wouldn't invest in Newark right now, but there's far less people saying that now, right? And actually, Newark's kind of on the map now as a place. And those three families we were getting for eighty five grand are going for five eighty five now, which is just outrageous. Right. You know, yeah. 
Well, it's definitely a sign of the times. Things have changed dramatically. One of the things I just like to point out about what Aaron was just talking about, think about some of the things he said about how was you evaluating markets. It didn't cost him anything dollar-wise to do some of those evaluations other than his time, right? He was looking at and investigating the trends that were happening there. So what I was saying was, think about for a second what Aaron was saying. A lot of the items that he picked out didn't cost him anything to figure out, no dollars that he put out. He was looking at basics. He broke them down to the simplest formats and then watched the trends as they started to change. Mm-hmm. You can apply that in Newark. You can apply it in Patterson, but you can apply that across the country. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to make this into rocket science. And sometimes, most of the time, it's just not. Right. And people will tend to overcomplicate and frustrate themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aaron has created a lot of value for himself and his clientele by just doing some very simple things well and mm-hmm. sticking to that mm-hmm. and learning along the way to incorporate some new pieces to that evaluation process. Sure. But again, he's not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in the learning mode. He mm-hmm. is in time. That's true. But that's an investment in himself for himself and on behalf of his clientele to build the business. That's true. But I travel around the country and I see and meet Aaron in different cities Mm -hmm. and the people are creating phenomenal wealth and Mm -hmm. long-term generational wealth, quarterly cash flow, Mm -hmm. building things that sticks and bricks where they can really get their arms around it. As you're an investor with Aaron's group, Joel, we just we, you were just about to, I think, say how good People's Capital Group was, but you you got cut out there. Unfortunately, we'll have to. <laughs> oh, hang on, we're getting a little little piece of what you're saying here. Is it? Is that all right? Yep, better now. Better. There you go. There you go. I was saying you're able to create tremendous value for your whole portfolio. Yeah, and the portfolio is people too, right? Your mm-hmm. investor groups mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. You're doing it with really simple, straightforward approach, being very transparent and honest with people Mm. and evaluating the trends of what's happening all the time so you can bring value to the equation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I know a lot of people want to overcomplicate at times, Mm -hmm. but honestly, some of the magic is in keeping it simple. And you can take that same type of approach and transplant it into other cities around the country, both Mm -hmm. big, medium size, and even some smaller ones. You know, a lot of times we all tend to look at the NFL type, type cities that are so big, but then we go to the secondary markets where they have maybe a minor league team. Right. Or they have a lot of fast food. I like to always, you know, people know that I check out the fast food places, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm looking at that to see that there's enough rental density population. Mm-hmm. Some of you may know that I've been in the commercial mortgage markets for a long time. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the night, I would scan in leases and you could see where people were moving from. Mm. And people are moving from the five boroughs and moving into Newark and moving into Patterson and right. moving into Jersey City. Mm-hmm. And you could see the trend changing because they couldn't afford $5,000 in Brooklyn, but they mm-hmm. surely could go for 16, 1800, and then 19, and then 20, and 2100 in these other cities. Mm-hmm. And it provided them the opportunity to move their families. And look, they weren't going to become to the single graduate school. That's true but they gave the families a chance to stabilize their families financially mm-hmm. and a chance to grow. And that was the most concern for them. And you were creating value at the same time, plugging into that. And we saw that time and time again, mm. especially through the years 14 to 18, like you're describing, you know, that was a big swing. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I I always uh, found uh, it was interesting. The way I got into real estate was through a lot of the like guru stuff, you know, and how easy it was going to be to buy apartment buildings and then put your feet up and collect the rent, you know. And uh, I was disappointed when I actually bought a, a five unit property and leased it up to a bunch of TRA tenants, and within six months, no. Uh, four out of five tenants were not paying rent in my building because I had leased it up to the wrong type of tenant. And, uh, you know, I quickly realized, I was like, oh, wait, those guys were selling me books and CDs. And uh, they weren't actually, you know, telling the truth about what this is. And it's, it is a management intensive asset. It's not like owning a mutual fund or something like that. And that's the reason real estate syndications exist is to, that this whole process is very complicated from underwriting the deal, knowing the brokers to even source the deal. The wholesalers are doing the direct mail marketing to landlords to even source the deal. Um, and then once we finally underwrite it aggressively and, and uh, get, you know, turn over every rock as best we can. Then the work really starts when we start, you know, renovating the units and repositioning the building and leasing it up for top dollar. And you know, so I start doing this, and I'm like, "Wow, this is really. Am I doing something wrong? Am I am I stupid? And is this why did those guru guys tell me this would be so easy? And all I needed was their book and their CD and their coaching course, and I would be breezing through this. So why am I not breezing through this? And I realized they were selling me a, a coaching course. So. Uh, yeah, and that's fine. And not to say that everyone selling a coaching course is selling you a bag of goods, but perhaps the people I was talking to were. And I think <laughs> what I've uh, realized, a lot of them are, uh, is, uh, you know, wow, this is a difficult industry. And the reason people in the 90s weren't at the auctions or bidding against you, you know, and is because, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't advertised like it is on HGTV and it wasn't like the most popular thing to do like it is now. But also because a lot of people do try to do real estate. They do buy a duplex. And they. I just met someone yesterday who was like, yeah, I got a duplex. And, you know, I, I started dealing with tenants and toilets and just hated it and like hired a management company. And now, you know, I'm starting to look into the syndication space because uh, all the books I read said it'd be easy to be a landlord. And now it's actually pretty annoying, pretty tough. And um, so it's really a, a space that's necessary, you know, to have uh, syndication for passive investors. Um, but there's also, you know, a lot of active investors that want to take the plunge and real estate is very accessible. You can call a realtor, you can find a deal, uh, you, you know, if you look hard enough, you can uh, get the capital as well from BRRR loans. Um, and uh, that's one of the things that you've structured through the years, Joel. Um, but you didn't start necessarily as a lender, right? You started as an investor. Absolutely true. I was definitely an investor. And back in the day, let's say the middle 2000s, I was working on two houses on one street in Newark. Mm -hmm. And a couple of people came over to me and asked me, you know, hey, how are you able to do more than one at a time? Mm -hmm. And I sort of explained to them how I was borrowing some money at 14 and four. Mm -hmm. I put in some of my own, borrowed the rest. And they were like, can you do it for me? Mm -hmm. And honestly, the first couple of loans I did as a private lender were that simple. You know, I put in 10 or 20% of my own money got a few friends to put in the rest. We mm -hmm. charged 14 and four. People were happy with paying it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's how it started. So very grassroots basics. But again, one of the mistakes that I personally made when I was expanding quickly, mm -hmm. I bought over 100 properties in a 36-month period wow. in the 2000s. So I was really growing quickly. But we tried to manage them ourselves mm -hmm. while we were trying to grow the business. Right. We needed, we needed, not wanted, we needed, someone like Aaron's group to have run that for us 
Well, we focused on the front end of buying the properties mm-hmm. that we thought were good deals and then having professional management to help us run them on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Because as the person you just described with the tenants and toilets, the TNTs, uh-huh. you know, not everybody is great at everything. And I think in real estate, one of the things that everyone needs to understand quickly is to break down the deal, figure out what parts of the deal they really enjoy and are good at and want to focus their energies at, and then see how they can plug in the rest of the team. And if they can do that successfully, they can be very successful. Mm-hmm. But real estate's about a dollar, and it's not about you making a hundred cents on a dollar. Mm-hmm. Most people want to do that at first, yeah. and they run into the wall. Right. As you understand and have a better appreciation for how important it is mm-hmm. to have the whole team eating part of that dollar, mm-hmm such that you can keep being successful by growing it, then the light bulb will go off, the bell will ring, whatever you want to call it, but things will change dramatically for you in a positive way. Teaming up with groups like Peoples, you know, syndicating, people grossly underestimate what goes into underwriting a deal. I know it's a simple Excel spreadsheet when it's done. It looks that way. There's a lot of tweaks, ladies and gentlemen, that are going into that behind the scenes to make sure from local market trends that they are plugging into those numbers correctly, mm-hmm. realistically, and honestly for themselves before they even bring it to you. Mm-hmm. Too yeah. many people too quickly want to expand. And mm-hmm. thus, you know, they make it sound simple, like Aaron is saying, or just talked about. Yeah. And there's a course and you buy the course and you think it's the magic fat pill. Well, yeah. the magic fat pill is the work. And mm-hmm. these guys have put in the work for a decade, 12 years. I met them through Seth in particular early on. I met Aaron a little bit later. And these guys really did the groundwork, which was impressive because I remember the days of three units and four units for them. And obviously now the business is significantly different, but they did the work to get there. It wasn't a magic pill jump overnight. Mm -hmm. So you're getting their experience to help you through syndication to be a passive investor, not deal with the toilets and the tenants on your side, Mm -hmm. leave the heavy lift to them and being able to provide yourself with a very good return. Mm-hmm. Short, medium, and then long term for the bigger play, the exits, mm-hmm. you know, those multipliers of your initial capital. But again, no one can do everything by themselves. It mm-hmm. is never more apparent than in real estate. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, getting started as well, like with the first few fix and flips we've done, and, and a lot of the first few deals, I mean, still even today, you know, banks underwrite our properties, right? So, uh, people feel like some, I feel like lenders get a bad rap sometimes, you know, oh, I owe interest in points, but they're literally your partner in deals. You know, a good lender like Joel here, he's going to be essentially, you know, your partner in one, one way or another, because he's helping to underwrite the deal, first of all, because his company's not going to invest in a deal that doesn't make sense. No matter how good the borrower is, it has to be a deal that makes sense and has the right profit margins. And then, you know, looking at the deal from so many fronts, you're taking a guy with 30 years of experience who's probably underwritten thousands of properties, you know, made money in the business, lost money in the business, and he's going to underwrite your deal for free, essentially. And what a service, you know, what an amazing service. And listen, if he says, no, it's not a good deal, don't do what I did when I was a rookie in this business and go to another lender who's less stringent and not as good at underwriting, who's going to give you the money, you know, because they're just not as good a lender. Now, you know, I know uh, BRR loans, you guys try to obviously make deals work and try to figure out ways to make a deal happen. But at the end of the day, you know, underwriting is there to put the brakes on bad deals. And, you know, I don't regret like, 
not buying a deal that maybe could have worked, right? I couldn't even name a property that like I didn't buy that now is, you know, oh, I missed out on that one. Like everything I didn't buy is worth more money, sure. But what I can tell you are the deals I did buy that didn't work out. I could tell you all about that and make a few uh, episodes, you know, not like we had a bunch of losers, but over 300 transactions. Yeah, you're going to have a couple lessons learned, as we like to say. So, um, how you know, the biggest lesson I learned was if your lender says it's not a good deal, find another deal. You know, it, it, it's so important to work with your lender on that front. And so when you're going to Joel, like take advantage of that underwriting, you know, bring deals to your lenders, get them under contract. You no, know, not every single, don't be sending them every single deal you get inbox, but you know, it's such a great service. It really is. You know? We definitely do that. And today's Thursday, Tuesday, I had to do a really hard thing. We've been working with a new buyer mm-hmm. and she desperately wanted to get a deal done. And she put one under contract and it showed it to me. Ironically, it was up in Newark. Mm-hmm. And it was a three-family house. Price wasn't wrong necessarily, but the rental tenancy that was already in place was really wrong. She was going to buy into a situation where there's a, an eviction that as everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people in the business know right now is a very difficult process. It's been lengthened quite a bit. Oh, and then the other two tenants were far under market. And mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult to make those adjustments and she was like, well, you know, over the next two, three years, I could, you're, you're investing your hard earned dollars mm-hmm. and you're asking us to put our money into the deal as well. It, it needs to work now mm-hmm. as well as grow over time successfully. Mm-hmm. And Aaron's point is really well taken. You probably can always find someone like me that'll make it work for you. Mm-hmm. But is that really helping you? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really think so. You end up with the same head of hair I do and <laughs> it ends up fast happening and you don't want that. Yeah. I mean, we make some jokes and have some fun, but in the end, we have a fiduciary responsibility to tell you the truth. And if it makes no sense, we, we do need to tell you that. Mm-hmm. Generally, what happens is we don't do the deal. And after you're mad for two, three days, you're kind of thankful that someone told you the truth. Yeah. And then usually you refer a friend because we actually had the nerve to tell you the truth. So we believe in that model in the business. Yeah. You know, I, I can Jimmy rig a deal for you as well as anybody after mm-hmm. doing this for so long, but mm-hmm. that's not providing you a service that is not helping you. And yeah. we feel it's the wrong thing to do. So I, I agree with Aaron wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Look, the ones that we did that were the ones we shouldn't have done. Believe me, we all remember those forever. <laughs> yeah. Those and- are nasty. Absolutely. They take the heart out of your chest. Oh, gosh, they really do. And you learn so much from them, you know, and you try to always remember, you know, never forget that deal, you know, write it down your wall, put it on your whiteboard, you know, get it tattooed on you. Never forget those lessons because you paid for those lessons. You know, it's better than a book or CD or some guru's uh, set of videos. You know, it's it's, uh, really an incredible lesson when you lose a little money in the business. And luckily, we haven't done that in a long time. So (laughs) we've certainly learned from our mistakes there. Tuition, very expensive tuition. Yes, but yes. Absolutely. Anyone like Aaron, or myself, and other people around that tell you they've never lost on a deal, never had something go awry, please find someone else to work with. That person okay. is just not being honest with you. If yeah. you've done three hundred deals, five hundred deals, two thousand deals, and a few mm-hmm. things didn't go wrong, you're lying. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just real. Yeah. It's real estate. There's humans involved. Our our Fiscal, not fiscal, our fiduciary responsibility in the roles that we both play, Aaron and myself, is to help you avoid the obvious pitfalls, mitigate to the best of our ability, the unforeseen, Mm -hmm. and do the best that we can quarterly, 
semi-annually and annually to bring you the returns that we promised you that we would. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, the monthly or quarterly news updates so mm -hmm. that you know what's going on, including the problems, yeah. are crucial to keeping and building that trust with you long term. So in our roles and in Aaron's roles, we can keep continuing to build our businesses by creating value, but it gets back to relationships and trust. Mm -hmm. We have to do the work. We always we start from that assumption. Mm -hmm. We know we have to do the work. But yeah. the harder part, I believe, is maintaining the relationships mm -hmm. and continually building the trust by being honest with people. Mm -hmm. It's an imperfect world, the real estate world. It can be wildly successful. You know, I got started because I read books and all these rich families own real estate. So I thought, hey, you know, you got to be like Mike. You got to own real estate. Mm -hmm. And like Aaron, I quickly ran into, hey, it isn't quite as easy as the person who's already a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you start to learn from there. You know, mm -hmm. I, I told you the story of spending $8,000 on a furnace, a single furnace. I mean, right, right. Yeah. disaster by any stretch, a disaster. <laughs> and, and Aaron told you the story about not understanding his tenants really well in the beginning, what yeah. they really were. They weren't bad people, mm -hmm. but the program they were part of didn't really fit what he was trying to accomplish long term. Yeah. He didn't really understand that quite yet. He mm -hmm. learned the lesson quickly and hasn't repeated that. So that was a good lesson. Mm -hmm. The ones that we repeat are bad ones, obviously. Then we haven't learned anything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're going to go the landlord route, you really need to understand what tenancy is to you. It's not just the rent payment. There's a lot of other pieces that go to it. Yeah. And making sure that you're selecting well, wisely, and profitably. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's really truthful. And it, it's not as easy as people think. And thus, mm -hmm. again, you know, the syndication groups that are out there that are experienced and seasoned bring yeah. great value to the market, to mm -hmm. investors everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's really an incredible service, you know, and, and it's interesting space now. It's, it, there's a lot of other services out there, which makes sense because it, for so many years, right, people looked at real estate as just like kind of off limits. Well, you got to put on your hard hat to own real estate, you know, and then like REITs kind of started to develop in the early 2000s or so. But for the most part, the actual syndication space where you can, hey, here's a building, you can invest in this one, two, three Main Street, you're going to get this type of cash flow, this tax depreciation, this check upon the refinance or the sale, you know, that's kind of only about a 10 year old space so much, you know, for many years, it was just buddies calling up other buddies and kind of, hey, let's get a deal done, you know, but now yeah. there's companies out there that are raising $150 million from people investing 50000 or $100,000 and pulling together thousands of them, you know, it's really in incredible. Um, and just on on another note too, uh, I made sure my investors never lost money. So another good lesson learned from this was you can learn you lose money as an operator. You don't want to lose too much money; you'll be out of business. But you can learn lessons and make mistakes and take hits on projects as long as you're doing enough of them and you have more profitable projects than non-profitable. You can stay uh, do well there. But I made sure my investors always got paid. So at the closing table, we'd actually write a check. Uh, to make sure they earned a 12% annualized return on their investment. And, uh, you know, yes, that would actually add to our losses. Not only would we make sure they got their full principal back, but also an actual 12% cash on cash annualized return on their investment. So it made our losses even hard, you know, harder and, and larger. But at the same time, the most important thing to us was making our investors happy. And luckily we were in a position where we were moving enough deals and had enough income coming in. We were able to afford that extra hit, but it was so, so important to us. You know, what, what bothered me wasn't so much, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to lose a little money here. It was like, 
man, I told these investors I was going to do something. It didn't work out as we had planned. We'd made some mistakes along the way. There were other factors as well we couldn't control. But for the most part, we hired the wrong people. It was our fault. And uh, so we made sure to write that check to our investors. So you want to make sure to do that. And hey, you know what? If you don't have the money to pay your investors at that time, sign an IOU and pay them out over the next six months or whatever it is, you know, make it reasonable and fair for everyone. But um, that's that's how it's done. If you got to pay your investors, even if you lose money, because the second you lose money on a deal and your investors don't earn, uh, you're, you're going to lose those investors and your reputation uh, you know, it's a, it's a shot. So we, we never do cash calls. You know, we never uh, kind of uh, you know, make sure we, if we don't hit the mark, we try to make good on the difference, of course. Um, but those are really lessons learned years ago. And, uh, you know, for the last seven years or so, we've done quite well with our projects and been on target or better. Um, so it's been a it's been a good run. A lot of lessons learned there. Uh, we made sure our investors always earned that return, you know. You know, building that relationship and trust is what you're talking about and putting your fiduciary responsibility of putting the investor first. That is what people are really looking for in syndication groups across the country. A lot of groups are very new to it. You know, we went to an event this past year where we met a lot and I was surprised at how many cool gurus had only been doing it for 24 months. And to me, that doesn't actually make a guru. They haven't (laughs) experienced the loss. They haven't been through you know, tenant turnover to that level or something going wrong with an unforeseen problem to a building. And you're basically investing in that experience. Mm-hmm. You're investing in the experience. You're investing in the trust that's been built with hundreds of people before you. So there's a lot of different referral points and references to be able to confirm for you that People's Capital Group not just stands by their product, but also supports the people that give them their trust. I can't stress enough how important that is. You know, at a small individual firm like ourselves, where we're making one loan at a time, you know, we're trying to provide that same type of service and trust with each person. But Aaron is bringing in sometimes as many as 50 people on a deal. And that's a lot of responsibility he's taking on. Plus, he's running the operation. Mm -hmm. So they're earning their money for putting that together, which is rightful. Mm -hmm. And but more importantly, for the long term health of their business, creating that type of long-term relationship with people so that they're building the easiest referral base they could possibly ever have. And that is satisfied people. Oh yeah. Satisfied customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We do everything we can to really make an enjoyable process too. And that's the other thing, you know, you want people to enjoy doing business with you, right? Cause I'll think about service providers or the, you know, you might not be the best you know, attorney or the best landscaper, right? But like, as long as you do your job well enough, you know, we enjoy doing business with you, you know, that's the most important thing. So I try to do, you know, these monthly networking events that are are really engaging. We do it at a brewery. So you have a little fun there. You know, our investors are always welcome for free. Uh, we also do steak dinners about twice a year or so. Um, that's really fun. That's like invite only at a, you know, high-end steakhouse for our investors. And um, you know, I just try to also go out to lunch with them maybe once a year and just uh, kind of, you know, get to know each other a little bit better, you know, know their children's names and their spouse's names and what's going on in their life and, and so on and, and maintain that relationship. You know, what's incredible is uh, about 50% of our capital uh, for new opportunities comes from existing investors. Um, another 35% of our capital for new opportunities comes from referrals from existing investors. 
only about 15% of our capital comes from new investors we meet, you know, maybe uh, from listening to the podcast or Googling us or things like that. Now, you know, that's just our current fund right now that, you know, the, the could change a little bit for upcoming funds. But, you know, I really pride myself on that because uh, I do get great feedback from our investors. We usually, you know, over uh, over deliver under promise. So we're sending them, you know, checks that are larger than we said they would or sooner than we said we would. So that tends to also make people very happy, of course. But, you know, the monthly updates, quarterly financials, consistent webinars and educational things, the podcasts and so on. Um, I think people really take advantage of that and enjoy it. And uh, but these days, you know, to run a, a good business, you have to have all those things in place. You know, the uh, it, it, things that excite your customers and engage with them, uh, a personal level. But then also whatever product or service you have has to be on point too. You know, my buildings have to perform. My fund has to perform. In addition to all that, that that's the most important. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's really an interesting business. You know, when you invest your money with someone, it is a personal decision. Yeah, it, it's sure it's business. There's some numbers involved. You know, we're talking about return on investment, but it's really a personal decision. And the reason people invest with us over maybe a firm that has, you know, 20 times more, uh, you know, investors than us or so on is because it's personal. They like the local properties here. They like working with us. They know we have a good track record. We're transparent. They can talk to the owner of the company. That's a really nice thing. They can pick up the phone and, and get me on the phone. So um, it's, it's about that personal touch, you know, that I think people are looking for like more and more these days, right. As we get like further apart, it's interesting. I think COVID has actually brought that more to the forefront, right? People want to truly do business that they have relationships with people mm -hmm. and touch them and can reach them. You know, you, you mentioned, you went by the statistic quickly, but think about that for the people that are here listening today, 50% of all new capital comes from existing people that are already in. And another 15 or so percent comes from direct referrals to that. That's 65% of each deal is yeah. people who have already built trust with Aaron and say, yes. I mean, that's a pretty damn good track record. I mean, it's actually 35%. Not a lot of percent. Both so, that. so Sorry. yeah, it's actually 85%. 85%. Yeah. Sorry about yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Not many people can boast those types of ratios. And again, being locally based and really knowing the properties and markets that they're working in is definitely an edge to these giant funds that will never see the town, will never see the county, have never been in the court system there, have never been in the buildings there, have no personal relationship to the people that they're investing with. That doesn't mean BlackRock's not a great place to invest, right. but there are a lot of alternatives for people that want to be able to feel that they're truly involved mm -hmm. with the people that they're investing their money with and trust them, that they can access them, that they're you know, really being honest and transparent and know their markets well. And People's Capital Group does that fantastically here in New Jersey. Absolutely. Thanks, Joel. I appreciate that, my friend. I appreciate it. All right. We're so let's change gears for a second here. I, I, we only have a little bit more time here. We'll try and wrap it up uh, at noon here in about seven minutes. So I did want to talk about just kind of where the market is and where we think it might be going, what our crystal ball says, which by the way, our, our crystal balls are uh, you know, sometimes right, sometimes wrong. You know, you can have so many years in, in the business and still be wrong about what you're predicting. You know, I, I remember talking to someone uh, five years ago who had been in the business for 25 years and he's like, sell all your real estate. It's it's falling right. tomorrow, you know, and he was way off. But um, so on your end though, you're on the bottom floor, you're getting loan applications, right? You're seeing borrowers. Um, I'm sure business has slowed down a little bit, but are things still chugging along or, or how how's, uh, how's business these days? 
So interestingly enough, yes, business definitely slowed down in July in the first week or two of August. That was the low point. Rates had spiked probably 200 basis points in a three-week period. And everyone just took that, you know, you could hear the sucking sound where people just didn't know what to do. You know, yeah. you could hear the inhale in the chest type of thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people stepped away for a few minutes. But then as numbers started to slow down, people also started to realize that nothing had really dramatically dropped in price. <laughs> just was a change in the interest rate. Right. But rents had been changing dramatically as well, eating up a large chunk of that change in the interest rate. Mm -hmm. So we've seen pivots from around the country. That's true. Mm -hmm. As business has picked up from end of August through September, October, November, December. And now we're seeing pivots out of Florida and Texas to, yes, maybe states that aren't as glamorous as those two in particular or Idaho, which no one has really found to Boise went on fire from 18 to 20, early 22 and it appreciated well over 100%. And wow. Seattle, Washington had gone crazy, and Portland, Oregon, et cetera. And now those old places are becoming hot again. Mm. Michigan, Ohio, Oklahoma, Missouri, mm. Louisiana, mm. Alabama. The mm. Carolinas are still really strong. Mm. Parts of Virginia, outstanding still. Mm -hmm. Connecticut, right in our own neighborhood. Yeah. Pennsylvania, still in everyone's top 10. Right. New York, New Jersey, people still find deals. Not as frequent, that's true. Yeah. That is true, mm -hmm. but not as frequently, but they're still finding deals. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing some pivots. You know, we had done a bunch of deals in the Pacific Northwest. As it slowed down, we just closed in Seattle, I think the last day or two of mm -hmm. the year. But we're seeing more activity right up in the heartland of America. Those numbers, you know, we still model, obviously, and we do some stress tests on the interest rates. A lot of those places still work to 10%. I know the 10% number sounds incredible, but if you're modeling and, and giving a, a loan out at seven and a quarter, 7%, and it still cash flows at nine and 10, mm -hmm. then you're in great shape, right? I know that's not as hot or cool as maybe building out a new lot in Cape Coral, Florida, or finding something in Miami, because those towns and areas might be a little cooler, mm -hmm. but- it's all about making money and people are finding niches all across the country right. in the Cleveland, Ohio's, the Detroit, Michigan's, right. you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma's, Kansas City, Missouri's, yeah. St. Louis, Missouri's. And it's a lot different, a little, low, little less risk on each individual deal. That's true for them, which is right. good. Mm -hmm. But the cash flow is working when that's what we're seeing going on and business is starting to net grow again, which mm -hmm. is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we've seen kind of a pickup a little bit in demand. Um, I don't think rental prices have gone down in the last six months. I think if anything, they've actually grown a small amount. Um, but it's not like we're having trouble leasing our units or, um, you know, the biggest challenge we have is finding a good deal. You know, we really haven't seen prices right. come down at all. And it's very frustrating. Uh, and then there is still a huge demand to buy real estate. So because of that, sellers don't really need to drop their prices all that much. You know, maybe instead of 25 bids on their property, they have four now, but you still have four bids on your property. You're still going to sell it somewhere around list price, you know, and um, then if it's really well priced and you don't get in there quick enough, forget it, right? There's still that hot demand for low priced, you know, fixer uppers value add real estate. I mean, the deal we snagged right now, the only reason we got is because the broker called us up and said, hey, perfect deal, family owned for 40 years, really clean property, rents way below market value by 
uh, great location in Bayonne, New Jersey. Uh, you know, but I, I need to put it on the market, you know, in a, in a day or two. So you have 24 hours to react, you know, here's the price we need to make it happen. You know, we hemmed and we hauled, try to get it for less, but realized, hey, you know, this is a good deal for a good price. Let's go forward on it. I think our investors will love it. And they have. So it's been a bit, really big hit there. But you got to move on the deals and you find them and you got to move quick too. And, you know, we are actually looking at another deal at the time and we were about to move on that pretty aggressively. We actually had started putting some capital together for it. But then we went into our next level of due diligence and we saw a bunch of red flags. Collections were just dropping off like a stone. Uh, the management company like just lost interest in the property. The partners kind of uh, fell apart. They had their own management system that fell apart. And by the time we're completing our due diligence period, we're like, this thing's a mess. Nothing's getting fixed anymore. No one's collecting rent anymore. You know, it was a decently turnkey building because keep in mind, it's got to qualify for a mortgage, right? At the end of the day, we get a mortgage for 75, uh, you know, 70% of the purchase price. So it's got to qualify for mortgage. That's have some money coming in, even though rents are low on the buildings we buy and collections can be weak sometimes. We need to, it can't be like 50%, you know, with all the pipes leaking and everything. And if it is, that's hmm. got to be priced into the deal. Now we need a huge discount. So, you know, went back to the seller, asked for a huge discount. He didn't give it. So at the same time, we found this next deal and we pivoted very quickly to the next deal. We had to move on it quickly. It was a high demand opportunity. We had to jump on it first and foremost. We were able to get our LOI, our letter of intent signed before it was ever put on the market. And it was so it never hit the market. It was an off-market transaction. That's how a lot of these are done. Um, so, you know, that, that's it. And those are the types of deals we're snagging right now. That's how we're getting it done. We also do direct mail marketing to uh, owners as well. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, it's, it's really hard to find a deal right now. Um, luckily our investors are excited about this one. We found a great deal here as well. We're moving on it here in the next uh, few weeks or so, uh, we're closing on the transaction and, uh, it's always an exciting time right now. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really good experience, but we are, we're looking here at 2023. We are pulling together a lot more capital. We want to have a war chest ready to go. We want to snag hopefully one more good deal this year. We try to buy two apartment buildings a year. Um, so if you're one of our investors on our list, keep an eye out, hopefully for more deals to come. And if you're still looking to put capital to work, let's connect possibly about this uh, deal working on right now. Although it is uh, on the finish line right now, we're getting to the end. We can still talk about different ways to participate in different opportunities. So, um, you know, really, uh, really an interesting time in the market, you know, rates are kind of ticking up a little more than expected to come down towards the end of the year. That's still looking likely inflation's ugly head is kind of reared, but now, you know, tapped down a little bit, you know, gas is still low. That's kind of a leading indicator of inflation as well. So for the most part, you know, we're looking at probably rates starting to tick back down early 2024. I've heard some educated people say late 2023 as well. Um, who the heck knows, of course, but I think this big, scary, you know, mm -hmm. world ending recession, I don't see it really happening. Do you? I think one of the interesting things from all my time in, in real estate and actually being a trader on Wall Street, when cycles end, there's usually tremendous leverage that's out there. And right now, there's still tremendous capital available. Yes, it's become a little bit more choosy. That's true. But people are not levered up to the point where they cannot participate or execute. I'm not used to seeing that when a market changes dramatically. I think we're going through a change period. Yes, that's true. To your point, not necessarily 30 bids on every deal, now one to five. 
or maybe one or two. That's true. Still healthy though. Yeah. And people are paying, one of the things they're paying your group to do and people like ourselves when we're, when we're helping, mm-hmm. paying for understanding how to source deals. Mm. That is not something that you learn in an hour. You can't right. read the book on a boot camp weekend and be good at that. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. People have to trust on the other side, from the sell side, that you can close. And right. if you say it, you will act upon it. Not just that you will, but you have the ability to. So that's something people are actually coming to you for, maybe subtly and they don't realize, but that's part of the value add you're bringing. And mm-hmm. finding that deal in Bayonne to quickly step in into the other one that you thought you were ready for, I mean, that just shows your experience and understanding. One, you'd already put time and effort in and you had the right mentality to step away from the deal. And two, instead of fighting for the last $50,000 in the deal on pricing, Mm. you guys made a determination say, listen, this is a good deal. We should move forward right now. Mm -hmm. We can keep fighting and they'll expose it to the market and then who knows what will happen. Right. But if we lock it up right now, Mm-hmm. Maybe we could get some help on some other terms and conditions or some closing cost consent, whatever it is mm-hmm. that we'll try to negotiate in. Yeah. But we can lock this up before it hits the market at a very fair price. Mm-hmm. Our investor group will earn the returns they need to earn. Right. And they own market too, by the way, for if you're not from the immediate area, I could tell you from our side of the business too, is a very attractive area for mm-hmm. middle income and I'd say lower to higher. And now with the Jared Kushners of the world, and other people like him who have spent ungodly sums down by the waterfront in Bayonne, the market on the whole has just been increasing and being forced higher by what some other people are doing. And Aaron's group is able to take down a property, take advantage of that trend as well, mm-hmm. not just for today, but for the next three, five years, you'll be able to benefit from that. And you're paying them for that kind of expertise, whether you realize it or not. You know, that, that's part of being a good pro, respected pro from the sell side. They know to go to people's capital to be able to close quick, be efficient, and understand that when it's there, they should move. No, of course. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate that. I really do. You have some kind words there. And no, uh, you guys I, are good, guys. good at this. Yeah, yeah. And and I know you guys run a good shop there as well. You're a great lender. I, I love your brand. You have great colors. You always have also the best uh, imaging at the networking events when you have your sponsor table. It always sticks out very well. So I got to. I guess Thanks. I always like that. But I know you guys on the service end are a very good lender. You have good uh, a good reputation out there. Uh, you lend in a lot of states as well. Um, but how can people uh, reach out to you and learn more about uh, how to connect with BRRR loans? Well, the easiest place is to just go to our website at burr.com. So B with four R's.com. You can find us on Instagram at, at burr.loans. And honestly, a lot of people over the years just call my cell direct at 732-598-0351. We'll answer, call back late at night, weekends, whatever. We're silly enough to stay open at all kinds of hours. We, we really just committed to what we do and we love it. And we love to have the opportunity to interact with groups like yourself and work with them. And we look forward to continuing that relationship. And February 21st, at the next networking group and behind that, we're headed to Dallas and from there, we go to Michigan in late February, which wasn't the smartest play, but that's the way it laid out. So we'll be up in Michigan late in February, hoping it's not snowing too much. But, <laughs> you know, we're, we're excited to be all over the country and it's a great opportunity for us. And meeting people everywhere has been an un- incredible opportunity and experience in my personal life also. So it's it's great. and We're very blessed. Thank you. 
Thanks, Joel. Absolutely. No, you guys run a really good shop there. Um, you have very fair terms. And, uh, you know, absolutely. Definitely go to BRRR Loan for ours. I put it in the chat there. BRRRR. And Joel, for our listeners that don't know, what does that stand for? It's buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. There you That's go. the acronym of, of the small market industry. Created on bigger pockets. And again, we were fortunate enough to own it and it exploded. So we're, we're very lucky. Now, did you start that term, Burr? The, no. The, no, okay. Because you'd be we a did legend. Not. Yeah, you'd be a legend if you did. No, no, we didn't. We we parlayed it off of the bigger pockets platform, definitely. We we got to give credit where credit was due. We were <laughs> shocked that it was available, to be honest. I know. Yeah. I'm actually shocked as well. That's a great uh website. Yeah, very cool. Um, excellent. Yeah, Burr is a very popular term in our industry. The buy, rent, uh, buy, renovate uh rent, rent finance repeat yeah absolutely i like that i like that no it's a good it's a good buzzword and a great company there as well and uh, i put our link up to our event coming up because i feel like that's a great way for people to connect with us here at people's capital group if you are local and a lot of our investors are local because they like investing in local real estate here in new jersey um then check out our event that's in somerset that's going to be february 21st at 6 30 p.m I put the link up there so you can get a free ticket. Uh, we are going to start charging a few bucks for a ticket after February 7th. So if you do want to attend that event or just put it in your calendar and get uh, possibly uh, a ticket here, jump on that link I put there on Eventbrite here. I put it right in the chat to everyone. And you can go ahead and register your spot for our event. So that's a great way to meet people that are in our network, uh, investors, uh, professionals in and out of the real estate industry. Last time we had about 70 people there. Uh, the ticket includes a drink uh, oh, token, and uh, yeah, it was a great event. I think, Joel, you said you're going to be able to make it as well? Yeah, we're going to show up on the 21st, yes. Great, great, excellent. So very excited. Yeah, we got a lot of people excited about the, this one as well. So that's our in-person events. We normally do those on the second Tuesday of the month, but in February, that's uh, Valentine's Day, so we're doing it on third Tuesday. <laughs> but I put that link in the chat there. I also put Joel's website in the chat to everyone. Thank you. So, absolutely. So take a look at that. Uh, you can go right to his website, learn more about uh, his lending options there and how to get qualified. Um, and just, I think you have more content on your site too, some different blog posts and things like that. So check that out. Sure. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, also our website, peoplescapitalgroup.com is a great place to learn more about how we help people invest in real estate. But the first way to connect with us is generally by watching one of these webinars we just did here, uh, coming to an in-person event, maybe catching our podcast as well that we put out on a weekly basis. But put that I put that link in the chat though for everyone to click. So be sure to click that link, get registered for our event come February 21st, and then um, go to Joel's website, learn more about how to leverage your capital and do more deals if you're an active investor. It's how we got started in real estate, working with lenders. It's still how we run our business today, working with lenders, all different types. And it's important to have this relationship in place because capital is a relationship-based business, even on the lending side. It will help you uh, complete loans. If you have a relationship with Joel, he knows your stand-up character. It might even save you a couple bucks on closing costs, but I don't want to get out of my lane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're very fortunate. We have a ton of repeat offenders. So yes, we definitely pay attention to that and help them on transaction costs. Yes, absolutely. That's <laughs> fun so much well joel thank you so much for coming on today i really enjoyed your time and what you had to say thanks a lot aaron appreciate you guys having us on with you we look forward to seeing you on the 21st and as i always say to everybody to good investing
Have a great afternoon, everybody. Thanks, Thanks Phil. Good day. All right, bye-bye.